hashtag Tim and Sid. Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous. Wow. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Entertaining the masses. Sports entertainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. What the hell hasn't happened today? Both on and off the planet, Timmy. It's a big Mars, time news day. Unbelievable. Wentz. Heart trophy conversation. I missed the Jay's, heart trophy conversation. Jay's, I vaccines. saw. Vaccines. I'll bring up the heart trophy conversation with Please you. Please do. I'm in. I'm in. Joe Thornton started a fire in my house. Oh, last night. I got you. Mm. I got you. Mm-hmm. Seventh last episode of Tim and Sid. I'm Tim McAuliffe. The other voice you hear is Sid Sixero. We are live on TV radio and available online courtesy Sportsnet Now. It is a jam-packed day in which we probably won't get to what you want us to get to, so we apologize in advance because it seems Sorry. as though... Whenever we do these jam-packed shows, someone goes, you didn't get to fill in the blank. Uh, We'll get to the hockey story. Sens and Leafs on Sportsnet Ontario tonight. It's a regional broadcast. Although, if you get the Super Sports Pack and you just put it on your phone, never mind. Not everyone can afford the Super Sports Pack. I get it. I understand. Um, History made in Edmonton last night. Calgary Flames fans are upset in Chaboy. Rhett Warner tossing a fire, or sorry, tossing a match into the fire. Mike Fuda from our NHL and Sportsnet team will join us next hour to discuss many of these things. That's not all again, Tim. We landed on Mars. We'll also be joined by Ben Nicholson Smith. We. Of, all of us. What are you talking about? We. We all Mankind. did this. Right? Nice job, everybody. Nice Wasn't job. Chi- Tim. Wasn't China nice and the UAE already there? Great job. They were there like on the 10th. Whatever. It's not important. It's only important when America goes to Mars, Tim. Ergo us. Nice job, everybody. Went to Mars. Ergo us. Showed us a fake picture. Great job. Fantastic. We learned in the past couple months that is not ergo us. Ergo, ergo to to that end. All of us is my point. Is my main point. Ben Mickelson Smith, who's always out of this world, will join us from Sportsnet.ca. So the Jays are going to stay in Dunedin for the first month of their home schedule. They're going to stay in Dunedin. Mark Shapiro mm-hmm. talked about that today and talked about some other stuff. And, oh, yeah, Fernando Tatis is basically signed until the point where humans can go to Mars. 2035 is basically what he's signed for. We'll get to all that. And, by the way, the topic I haven't heard a lot of, what this Fernando Tatis contract isn't that cute for the Toronto Blue Jays. No. Know what I mean? It's not that, it's yes. not that good. Not a good day for them. We'll dive into that with Ben a little bit. Also, the Philadelphia Eagles have traded away Carson Wentz. He is no longer a member of that team. Jordan Palmer, QB guru to the stars, will join us. And he knows Deshaun Watson a little bit. We'll, we'll maybe try and get some information out of him as to what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Plus, a new Kyle Lowry injury to discuss. Not the ankle from the other night as the Raptors get ready to take on the Milwaukee Bucks this evening. But, uh, Tim, it's a packed show. Let's get right to it. Another intriguing hockey evening in this nation last night. All right, let's roll. Three rematches in the North Division last night. The three teams that lost on Monday all won on Wednesday. Connor McDavid Mm -hmm. reached the 500-point mark in a 3-2 victory over the Jets. It was his 369th game. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
Same number of games it took Sidney Crosby to reach 500 points. 369. You know what I'm talking about. Baby. That was my wrong Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, you got to throw the baby in at the end. You know what I mean, baby. <laughs> uh, eighth fastest to 500 in NHL history. A pretty amazing stat. Also, fitting, no? It is fitting. Look, I mean, if you're, what's going to be the comparison? Gretzky did crazy, crazy stuff. Like Crosby's not going to win the 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 four the four cups. Gretzky four cups, four cups. Yeah, he had four. Like that's a that's that's a lot. I know he's at three, but that's it's still asking a lot. You don't know what's going to happen. McDavid, last time I checked, doesn't have a cup, so I don't know if he's going to reach those lofty standards. But modern era, yeah, that's the comparison. It's Connor McDavid. It's Sidney Crosby. Um, but if you're McDavid, even in this moment, the one thing I, I kept going through last night, Tim, watching that um, McDavid get to 500 career points is as amazing as Connor McDavid is, as unbelievable as his talent level is, to get to Crosby's level, like we're talking McDavid, he's already got two, two scoring titles and an MVP, okay? That's a career for most people. They'll take that in a second. Crosby's got... The, the two scoring titles, the two MVPs, the three cups, the two con Smythes, the two Olympic gold medals. Now, McDavid hasn't had a chance to go Olympics. I understand that. He will soon. But, like, when you that, – that's what struck me over the last 24 hours looking at this story, McDavid and Crosby. The road McDavid still has to go down here to really be Sidney Crosby. You know, it's not easy being Sidney Crosby. You got to take some take some BS. You know, you got to, is he done? Is he not done? I've said that before. I was wrong. You know, to get to that level is crazy. And I think, and the one thing I liked is we, we got to appreciate Crosby's resume a bit more over the last 24 hours. Not that we had to. We all respect Sid. But when you compare the two, as great as Connor McDavid is, man, he's got a lot of work to do to get to that level just from a hardware standpoint. I'm not saying he can't. But to be Crosby, you got to have the right team around you, and you got to do things yourself. And right now, we've seen Conor McDavid do things himself. He's going to need some help to be Sidney Crosby, definitely. It's funny because it feels like Sidney Crosby Appreciation Week, even though it was Conor McDavid who hit 500. It's true. It's a great point. That's where I'm at. Career games played, 998. There'll be 1,000 coming up. And... I think we can all recognize what Sidney Crosby has done in his time in the NHL and what he did so very quickly jumping in with the Penguins and maybe with the comparative in McDavid, people will appreciate him more even though he was hands down best player on planet Earth for a while. Like it's not as if he wasn't appreciated, but the compete level of Sidney Crosby was always touted and maybe we underrated his output level too. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, ah, oh, this is the best player on planet Earth, also working the hardest, also willing to go to dirty places, also blank, 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 so many things. But just sheer output, maybe we underappreciated the sheer output of Sidney Crosby because he did so many other things so well, including be in the moment. Like, Special players make special plays on special days. That is Sidney Crosby. And uh, I'm glad to see, and listen, Connor will get his due, and it'll be really interesting to see what Connor's career turns out to be. But I think it's kind of cool that this is turning into Sidney Crosby yeah. appreciation. Work. It's really, really, really hard 
really hard to be Sidney Crosby. That's the, and that's the message this week. I, I couldn't agree with you yeah. more. I, and and I think it's once in a while it's needed. Again, I don't want to paint everyone with the ignorant brush because we all know Sidney Crosby is one of the greatest players of all time. But he was so touted coming out. The problem with guys like that is you overlook a couple of those scoring titles. You overlook yeah. a couple of the hearts. It's like he's oh to you know be there. yeah he was supposed to do that right. Yeah. But when you take <laughs> yeah. you take a step back like most people have done this week with this comparison. And again, to hit it at 369 games for both of them, 500 points, is eerie. That is bizarre. It's yeah. been a cool week that way for, for Sidney Crosby, and I've, I've appreciated it, too. It's been, it's been- uh, nice win for the Oilers as well. Dreisaitl also uh, picking up points. McDavid and Dreisaitl just look dominant again. Heard some saying that the McDavid-Matthews for Hart Trophy conversation was started with this 14-game point streak that Austin Matthews is now put up. I want to ask you if you agree, but before you answer, allow me to introduce a fellow by the name of Joe Thornton into the equation who, after the game, had some interesting things to say about another Leafs win and another Austin Matthews goal. There's probably two or three guys that that I've played with that, that does what he does, but he's on you know a different level. Um, he just competes so hard. You know, I think he should be up, you know, for for 18 games in or whatever we are for, you know, Selkie, Hart, uh, Rocket. You know, he does so many things and he just plays the game the right way. And, you know, I, I you know, re- really enjoy watching him play and, and playing alongside of him. He just uh, he's a complete package. I just I want to I want to bring up again the awards. Joe Thornton, who's not a rookie in this league, no. who knows what it's like to win a heart. He and the only guy to do it on two different teams in the same season, by the way. Joe Thornton, Boston, San Jose. Um, Selkie, defensive player of the year, defensive, best defensive forward, excuse me, best defensive forward. Rocket Richard, goal-scoring title, Hart. That's what he's dropping in that clip. Joe Thornton knows more about hockey than you do at home. You know that. I just want to There's remind more you. more than me, too. It's okay. Ah, I think you know, whatever. Tim McAuliffe's right there with Joe Thornton. You know how <laughs> I know? Because prior to the season, allow me, Tim, because prior to the Uh-oh. season... As Austin Matthews sits here with 14 goals in 16 games, uh, on on pace for a 50-goal season and a 56-game season, think about that for a second, we had a bold prediction segment prior to the campaign on January the 16th. Tim McAuliffe stepped up to the plate and went super bold. Roll it. My second bold prediction, and I'm only giving you two because we're running out of time. Austin Matthews will score 45 in 56 playing with Marner and Thornton. That's a 66 goal pace in an 82 game schedule. Wow. Now, not to put a fine point on it. The first prediction Tim had was sends make the playoffs, but I don't, I don't, I want to ignore that. (laughs) It was almost as bad. No, he it's didn't almost as bad. What was the first? No, don't tell me if you don't want to. Don't tell me. I don't no, remember fine. the first one. I can get one right and one wrong. I said the Canucks will get goaltending and be a top four team. <laughs> they're not out of it. I mean, we're still, you know, there's still games. Anyway, the point is um, the Austin Matthews is coming in hot feeling uh, is was there for some of us. And I know he came into camp. You know, after working out with Connor McDavid in Arizona, and I know he lost like 20 pounds or 15 pounds, whatever the number was, for Austin Matthews. He was a different player coming into camp, no question. But uh, Tim saw this coming. I, I, I saw him having a pretty good year. 
I didn't see this. Uh, Tim, I see nothing wrong with starting this Hart Trophy debate now and, and having Edmonton and Toronto just hate on each other further as cities and, and hockey fan bases. I think, it's, I think it's good for the game. I think it's healthy. Uh, I just can't I, – I, I, I'm going to cower it out in the argument for now because I don't, I, I, I don't know what you do when a guy, one guy's leading the league in goals and the other guy's leading the league in points. Those are those are hell of arguments to make on either side, right? Like I just I don't know where yeah. you go with it yet. I I'm I'm open to the discussion, but I'm not there yet. If that's not you, hopefully that's not too cowardly an answer. Are you of the opinion though that the Hart Trophy winner has to make the playoffs? Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I've always I've always been. Baseball's different. Not enough teams get in. But right. in hockey, I feel that way definitely, one hundred percent in hockey. NBA has different criteria as well. Like usually, got to be top two in the conference. Blah blah blah. Not always, but usually. Uh, so yes, I I believe Edmonton not making the playoffs is is a little problematic. But then again, if he goes ham, Tim, right, and has like eighty eight points in fifty six games, I don't know. Like I, right. I, that's a different discussion. So we'll see. It's gonna be but fun if he to watch leads by and and this could be the case, like McDavid could lead the league by like. 15 points in a 56 game season like I wouldn't put it past him but to 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 average it out right now Matthews is on pace for 48 goals in this 58 or excuse me 56 game schedule and he's missed one 72 goals in an 82 game schedule on pace that doesn't mean he's going to get there although it's Hogberg Hutchison tonight so there might be a little bit of scoring between the Sens and the Leafs as they go back to back Hogberg eventually he didn't he he Grant feared him on Monday Tim he didn't let in the six goal whatever you know it's Hogberg I think it's 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 Niles Holand here's what I picked up on that I'm confused by Holander in Vancouver Hogberg in Ottawa but both have that Swedish kind of double dot spelling of the O do they not right like that's what so I'm I'm a little I'm not going to claim to be a Swedish uh, grammar expert I'm barely an English grammar expert I'll leave that to the experts. Um, again, uh, Leafs tonight taking on the Sens. We got it on Sports in Ontario. If you are in the region, we should tell you, um, as Tim mentioned, if you're Frederick Anderson or a guy named Zach, uh, you're in the lineup. Zach Hyman not playing tonight. Zach Bogosian not playing tonight. Bogosian is being rested by the Leafs. Hyman, something's up with Hyman. Uh, they're not saying yet. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on that story. And Frederick Anderson needs rest. Michael Hutchinson in there. Tim, uh, quickly before we move on to the Jays here, smart move, wrong move. Uh, considering it's 1-1, this sends Leaf series going into Game 3 tonight to rest Frederick move. Anderson. Needed move. Needed move? Okay. Needed move. I'm okay with it. And I, I don't want to forget about Brock Besser because he had 16 goals last year and he was taking a lot of heat. Uh, he's already got 12 goals in the 20 games, okay. albeit that the Vancouver Canucks have played. So while we're talking about the 14 and cooing all over, um, I don't even know if I should use that turn of phrase, um, while we are flattering Austin Matthews with his 14 goals, we must mention Besser has 12. Now, he has 12 and 20, right? And it's 14 and 16 for Matthews, but you get the point. Um, they beat the Flames 5-1. Rhett Warner went yes. on local radio in Vancouver, um, SN 960, the fan yep. in, excuse me, Calgary. I said Vancouver. I meant Calgary. Sorry. I should have caught Sorry, that. Sorry, Boomer. Yep. Sorry, Rhett Warner. Um, but we all know where it is. So he goes on the radio, and there has been this 
bubbling under in Calgary about whether or not there's a problem in the room. And Rhett just went in. Here's how that sounded. Don't tell me that you're a good room. Don't tell me that. If that's, how, if that's a good room and that's how you play for each other, then I'm glad I'm not part of that. There's no way that's a good room because the proof is on the ice and what it's showing you is that they don't care. You're supposed to play with an urgency and an edge and a win-at-all-costs type of attitude, which you don't. So if I'm the GM of the team and I'm seeing that and I'm hearing we don't want to play too hard and on the edge too much, I have to blow it up. And I go after the biggest fish and I get them out of there. If that Jake Muzzin puck flip is the derailment of this hockey team, then start anew because I don't want any part of any of it. And I mean it both ways. If guys in the room were mad at Kachuk for doing it, shame on you. Let's not overreact to something as simple as, like, and if Kachuk's trying to call, what does going on? Shame on him. Fight your own battles too, bud. All right. A reminder, Rhett Warner played over 700 games in the National Hockey League uh, before we go on here. And um, good on you, Rhett. In for a penny, in for a pound. I I, I was entertained by that. That's, but that's Nothing been bubbling for a while in Calgary. That's what I mean, too, right? though. Like, it was yeah. it was good to hear it. Now, I, I'm I'm not going to back the they don't care. That was a hell of a statement in that, which which is which is like a line some like most of the time I won't cross. But coming out of that market, Tim, to your point, I think that's the point. The point is you you go into Vancouver for the four games. They look like fresh meat. Francisco Aquilani has to tweet out something to call off the dogs here, and you're leaving two and two. When you, have, when you have the guy that has Vancouver's number in net, the former Canuck, that to me, like, we have now reached a point here, Tim, where guy, guys in that market that people listen to aren't buying it anymore. And I think that's important. That's always a mo- People can say all they want about the media and this and that. Correct. That got my attention, and I'm not even and in it, Calgary. You know what that does? You know what that starts to do? Allow you to pursue Johnny Goudreau trades. Really? Really? When he said the, what you're about to hear in Calgary is whether there will be a referendum on trading the top part of that team and whether or not people will be pissed off. Now, whether or not Brad Treliving will get what he wants back in a deal, like that's all left to the rest. But if you know that you can't make that deal in your own market without – getting what Masai got when he traded DeMar DeRozan, 80% of the GMs won't do it. 80% of the GMs in sports won't make that deal if they know they're going to get the fire that comes with trading your best or second best guy. Right? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And if you start to feel like your fan base is okay with that deal happening, then you can do it. People turned on Phil Kessel in Toronto. It made the deal okay. Right? Like, that happens. That's real. But and, but there there's are... a bit of that going on here, too, right? Calgary, I also heard in that from Rhett Warner the remnants of first-round Colorado sweep. Like, that hasn't yeah. gone anywhere. Yeah. And they've done – and i gotta, and I got to give Brad for living credit. They, they, he's, he's done his best to try and bring in some new guys, and Markstrom's look great. But at some point, you gotta you gotta see it. 
And I don't know who between Ed, I'm going to assume Winnipeg makes the playoffs. I could be wrong because they got a pretty good goalie. But whoever between Edmonton and Calgary does not get that fourth spot or does not get in, this is going to be a hell of an offseason for somebody. Correct. And you knew you knew it in Edmonton, Tim, and you felt it in Calgary, but 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 the the importance of that clip that we heard from Rhett, a guy who's been in the league and knows that market pretty well in Calgary, is enough. And I think that's significant. I think it's really important, and it's been. But you're right, Tim. It's been bubbling for a while, and you're, and maybe the Goudreau stuff starts up again. Maybe because he didn't look bad to start the year at all. No, look pretty that's good. What I'm saying if if it is culture, and Goudreau is playing this well, then go ahead. you don't think he's talking about Matthew, do you? Well, I know he kind of ripped on Matthew a little bit with the puck flip and Muzzin, like. How much I is that? Is, is, there, is there an angle to Matthew Kachuk in the market that externally we're missing a little bit? I don't think well, so. Okay. And, and I, here's why I don't think so. Remember we asked Mark Giordano about if Kachuk knew the line? Remember before the puck flip? Yeah, I remember that. I asked yep. him about whether and like sometimes that guy is a pain in the ass to have on your team. But does he know the line when he has to fight his own battle? And the way the captain responded to us or responded to us, I think that he's probably clear of that. But make no mistake, guys like that put a lot of pressure on the rest of the team. And you and I can sit here and say we love his game and do. Which I do. But every once in a while, some guy's got to pay for what he does. And that's not necessarily a fight like Eric Goodbranson jumping in for his brother in Ottawa and getting hurt. Sometimes that's a, well, if you're going to do that to our best player, we're going to do that to your best player. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. This is going to be fascinating to see, Tim. And again, just just to to wrap it up on Rhett Warner and that show, uh, honesty on air, I'm all for it. Good on (laughs) you. Are you really? Good on you. You don't strike me as that. It's not normally my MO, Timmy. It's not normally my MO. But good on you, Rhett. Good on you. Good stuff. Um, not that I'm against any sort of honesty either. <laughs> um, let's nor get to am the, I, nor am I suggesting that. Nor let's I get to the Jays uh, because this is I, we don't have enough time to properly do this. But Ben Nicholson Smith is going to join us after the break, so we'll continue the conversation with him. But Blue Blue Jays spring training, like. Pitchers and catchers reporting today. Pitchers and catchers some, are in. Good for you. There's some sort of feel good for every Canadian when pitchers and catchers report and we start seeing those pitchers from Dunedin because you know eventually the weather that they're walking into in Dunedin is on its way here. Jays fans are excited. What are your expectations for this season? You want me to answer that now or after the break? I can give it to you now. Have two I can give it to you now. Okay, here's my expectations. Uh, I think, based on the fact that the starting pitching was not improved, and based on the fact that we are no longer at uh, 16 teams making the playoffs, we're back to 10. Uh, I think that feel-good story from last season may be in for a regression. Now. The Yankees haven't gotten much better, and the Jays were better than them last season. Uh, I still, I I don't like saying Tampa won't be contenders because that's all they do is contend with no money. 
So I'm not I'm not doing this again with the Rays. I'm going to respect Tampa and how they run that organization with no money. But uh, Tim, as much as I love me some Marcus Simeon and George Springer, the pitching ain't that hot to me. Aside from one guy, unless Nate Pearson really makes a move, because Tanner Roark in that rotation isn't going to get you anywhere. I'm sorry, he's not. And there were enough guys, and still are, where you can improve on that, and they might. They might. I think the Jays are in a bit more trouble this season to become a playoff team with only five teams getting into the American League than people think. I'd like to see another arm. I would tend to agree with that. Will Ben Nicholson-Smith, he joins us next. Mike Fuda, Jordan Palmer on the NFL. Can Carson Wentz revive his career with Frank Reich? In Indianapolis, which is always tough for me to say, we will examine. The QB consultant, NFL analyst, will join us. But coming up next, do the Jays need another arm? Will they add it once they get into the season like they did last year? Because that's part of this equation, too. We'll do it all. With Ben Nicholson-Smith, vaccines. Could they come back to Canada safely? There's a lot going on with the Jays right now. A lot. All that next, right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio. And TV. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Sid, Jordan Palmer, the quarterback whisperer, will join us. See if Carson Wentz to the Colts wets his uh, his whistle. And Mike Feud, I don't know where I'm getting the cooing, cooing and the wedding of the whistle. And the, wedding of the whistle. I don't know. I must have been talking to my mom. My mom, at some point, at some point, you're going to drop the line loquacious. super horny during the show. At one point, McCallum, <laughs> like that's where we're going between that's, now and seven Eastern. Can we, can we? I was just going to say, my mom's <laughs> vocabulary is very extended, and sometimes when I talk to her, that uh, that loquaciousness bleeds into my talk on this show. When I firmly believe that you should communicate in the language of the people, but I digress. Mike Fuda also going to join us just past six p.m. But let's continue the baseball talk, Sydney. Ben Nicholson-Smith was on the Zoom call today with Jays president Mark Shapiro. Uh, I caught that as well. Mark Shapiro and the Jays, for those who missed it, uh, it was reported by Shai Davidi last night, confirmed today. The opening month of their home 2021 schedule will be played at TD Ballpark in Dunedin. They have to work some things out with that ballpark as well. As as, as many renovations as have been done in Dunedin, Tim, they got to work with the lights still. They need training facilities. It's very similar to Buffalo. Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us here on the line. Ben, not a, not a real shock. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me today, Ben, was I didn't really, like, I hadn't thought about it, but the notion that really you shouldn't be playing outside in Florida in June didn't hit me initially. But hearing Mark Shapiro talk today during the presser, it, it, it certainly is an issue. Like, at some point here, it's going to be a gradual climb back to Toronto, right? Like, Buffalo is going to be the gateway city before they eventually come back into Toronto. After They could play in three cities this year is what I'm asking. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of moving parts for sure. And, it's you know, it's funny. You think about Tropicana Field, and, of course, it's not the, not the gem of a ballpark that you'd see in a lot of places. And it doesn't look great on TV, but, of course, it serves a purpose, right? Of, and having been there for you know, covering Jay's series in the summer, it, it gets so hot out there. So I can totally see why it's not super feasible to stay there all season long. And I think within a few months, we'll have a better sense of what the landscape looks like and what the options are. And at that point, the Jays can either say, hey, it's starting to look good. We've got a lot of vaccinations. Maybe it's, it's realistic for us to play in Toronto for the rest of the year. Or if it's not looking so good, 
I think at that point they go to Buffalo from probably, you know, the beginning of June onward and then play the rest of the season or at least a good chunk of the season out from, uh, from Salem Field. The, uh, just to follow on that, because I went to your, your Twitter account and I noticed that you noticed something about what's going on with Buffalo and Rochester. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of interesting because if the Blue Jays are going to be playing home games in Buffalo, well, what does that do to their AAA team, a team that could include at various points this year some pretty good prospects and guys you don't want to just cast out onto the road as this kind of wandering team without a home. So someone on Twitter noticed, Minor Leaguer is the account, and noticed that the Rochester Red Wings and the Buffalo Bisons never play a home game on the same date in 2021. So what that means is there is the possibility, if the Blue Jays want it, to basically move their AAA team to Rochester, share that site, and then play their games at Salem Field. Um, you know, in a world where we're looking for positives, having your AAA team in Rochester when you're in Buffalo ain't half bad. Like, it's not the worst situation. Yeah, not bad at yeah. all. Close by, good facility. Yeah, you could definitely sure. do worse than that. So, you know, I, again, a lot of moving pieces. But you know, at this point, it's as much as they're making it up on the fly, compare this to last year when they had two weeks to basically renovate a oh, AAA that was a nightmare. Stadium. That was an yeah, absolute so nightmare. It's, it's not bad to be in this spot right now. Ben before Nicholson. we get to, go ahead. sorry, before we get to, um, and I, I think you're going to go to uh, the vaccines and what Shapiro said, Sid, so I want to jump in before. But, okay. like, this is, for a young team, I asked you what your expectations were for the season, Sid, and you were talking about the pitching and all that, and I get it. But I also think that, like, we've learned from the Raptors, this can be tough. And I know a lot of people don't want to think about it, but having a young team uh, not sure where they're going to play because of this whole pandemic thing um, is going to be tough on them. And Dunedin might be a little easier than Tampa for the Raptors because players knew that Dunedin was always going to be a start and they're kind of familiar with Dunedin. But all this uncertainty can be tough on a young team. And I, I don't know if we take that into account enough because we just want the distraction. For sure. And for us, it's, it's entertainment, right? We turn on the TV yeah. and great, there's our distraction. For these guys, it's their, it's their life, it's their family's lives. So I totally agree that it can be a, a challenge. And again, like relative to any normal season, it's crazy. Like they don't know where they're playing. It's still up in the air. There are lots of moving pieces. But I think relative to last year, it almost feels like calmer in comparison. So it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of crazy to look at it that way. But you know, as you said as well, this is a group that a lot of them are based out of Tampa or Florida, you know, Dunedin, Clearwater area for the entire year. So for a lot of these players, it's actually a pretty good spot for them to be if they have to be displaced somewhere. You're right. Last year it was a more out of control. We don't know what's happening. This year it's a more calm. We don't know what's happening. It's more just just <laughs> gentle. It's a gentle uncertainty. We're used ben Nicholson to it. Smith. We're used to three oh, better believe it. Man. Better believe it. Uh, all right, Ben. So let's uh, let's dive into the vaccine thing. And right off the the bat, and and you had to follow up with a question just to confirm it in, in Mark Shapiro's availability today, and, and you did the right thing. Uh, the first thing that hit me was the Jays didn't even reach out to the Canadian federal government this time around. It was not that long ago the Raptors were working on this, right? Yeah. And and I heard and we heard the Jays today say we didn't even try it, and without saying it, he said, "Well, you know, we were going to get a no." So we know what the situation is. You know what the situation is. To that end, though, Ben, uh, the question that came up a little later on from Marash Madani about vaccines kind of caught a lot of people's attention. 
Uh, I want to play the clip from Mark Shapiro, Jay's president. We'll talk about it on the other side. Roll it. The overall message point from MLB and at the team level is that there'll be no, um, you know, no effort made by either the league or an individual team to jump ahead. Um, so I think public health information, both locally here in Florida um, and obviously back in Canada, you know, you'll be as informed as we are uh, when we get access to the vaccine. <clears throat> we feel uh, Major League Baseball has some reason to believe to be optimistic that that's going to happen here uh, sometime this spring. Um, and certainly we will encourage, you know, not just our players, but all support staff that are in tier one and tier two around our team uh, to take the vaccine to ensure a safe environment as possible. And I think that is our fastest path probably back to to playing in Toronto as well. Now, as Tim McAuliffe, and Tim, forgive me for, for, for teefing your thought here, but Tim had thought prior to the show to remind me that even if you are vaccinated currently under federal Canadian guidelines, you still have to quarantine. Whether you've tested negative or have that vaccine and both doses in some cases, you, there is still a quarantine in effect. Uh, but Ben, A, those comments, to hear it from Mark, I, it, it came off a little differently. I wasn't expecting him to say spring, truthfully. I was expecting more of a summer vaccination hope. Um, and what kind of a game changer would that be if other major league teams are in theory vaccinated in terms of that border? I know I'm asking, I know we don't have the answers to that, but it would be an entirely different world in terms of dealing with local and federal uh, political parties and, and political agents, would it not? I think it would be. I think it would be. And those comments stood out to me as well, just in the sense that, you know, if you're looking to, you know, looking ahead to a potential conversation with the federal or provincial government, you're thinking, OK, how can we reasonably make the case? Because the Blue Jays clearly don't want to be unreasonable here. And, and that's that's good. No one no one wants no one wants anyone to be right. reckless in this whole thing. So uh, if you're looking to make that case reasonably to those levels of government, that this is something that's relatively safe, then I do think having most or all of your staff and players vaccinated would be a pretty good selling point because then then I'm, you know, I'm not a scientist on this stuff, but it would seem to be that that would really reduce the chances of posing a public health scare or threat to the general population. And then major league baseball, of course, has lots of logistics to figure out in that scenario, but you know, bottom line is I think that would be a big step. And it seems like vaccination, is a little bit ahead of us in the U.S. right now, so that might be, you know, that might put that spring timeline in place. Yeah, I think we're going to need vaccines here uh, rolled out for that to work yeah. because... Like, what's our... You're saying to me, like, what's our situation? Yeah, what, what's our situation? Yeah. Because you can still carry it if you're vaccinated. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. Um, so, instead of playing the epidemiologist uh, alongside Ben Nicholson-Smith, because that's a tough place to be, um, can I ask you about Fernando Tatis Jr., and his 14-year, $340 million deal with the Padres. And I don't want to ask about what the Padres are doing here and if you would sign that deal. All I want to know is, does that put pressure on the Jays? Great question, and I love this topic. Definitely more my wheelhouse than uh, the vaccines. I am going to go back to ask you doctor questions later, though, Ben. Just so you know, I'm going back to the epidemiologist stuff in a bit, but answer the baseball one first. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So I think that, you know, Tatis is just, he's just on another level, almost compared to anyone. And, I mean, you could put Soto or Acuna in that discussion. 
I do not think that anyone in the Blue Jays, Bo Bichette included, like I don't, I don't think they're in that realm yet. And maybe they will. I'm sure Bo Bichette would say that he thinks that he can get into that realm and more power to him. That's, that's a great goal for him to set. But you look at what Tatis has done in his first 140-odd games in the major leagues, and this is a guy who's got almost 40 home runs, close to 30 steals, seven wins above replacement, great defense, OPS around 950. He's incredible, and he's only 22. So you can debate the ins and outs of the finances here, but bottom line, this guy would have hit free agency at age 25 if they hadn't locked him up. And if you're the San Diego Padres and trying to bid for a 25-year-old free agent, you're probably not going to get him. So in a sense, even though he's pre-arb, this kind of was their chance to get Tatis. Oh, Ben, I love you dearly. I disagree with so much you just said. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'm just coming, because uh, and, and, I want to throw it out here before we let you go, because you've been amazing. From a Jays standpoint, with all of their young players, I'm not saying they're going to hit Tatis levels of hype. I'm not saying that. But Vladdy might. Bo might. Bo, when he was leading the American League in hitting last year, was on MLB Network every day. And my concern with this contract is if you're the Jays, you have so much business to take care of over the next three, four, five years, in theory. This contract is nuts. This, this is not an, this is, I know money for a guy we don't know. He had 14 throwing errors in his first season. He hasn't played a full season. He had, his arbitration years didn't start until next season. This is insane. This is the most insane thing I have ever seen a team do, and I've watched the Leafs most of my life. This guy has done nothing to warrant that kind of commitment or money. That's nuts. That's nuts. Nothing. How about this? How about this? Mookie Betts is getting $365 He has automatic top five MVP votes every year. He has a ring. Oh, he is one of the best players in the game. Mike Trout got that money when he's guaranteed one-two in MVP voting every single year. If you're going to pay this guy three forty, I don't mind that. But you don't know if he's worth three forty now. You have no idea what this kid is. Zero, zero clue. This right, is and you... for sure money oh for I don't know money. And it's nuts. And now the Jays and other teams are going to have to eat it for this. It's ridiculous. Go ahead, man. Sid, I love it. I, I, love the, um, I love the passion, of course. I think so. the Jays would love it if this posed a problem for them because it would mean that Bo Bichette would take such a big step forward from where he is. And I think the same for Vlad Jr. And as much as these guys are hyped prospects, and here in Toronto, you know, we watch them, and it's exciting to watch Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr., but... To me, Tatis, the running speed, the defense, even though you know it's a bit of a work in progress, but the, the tools are there. And the offense, like the bat speed, the, the ball off the bat, like he does things that other players don't do. So to me, he is a level above Bo and Vladdy. And if they get to that point, then the Blue Jays will be in an amazing, amazing spot. Uh, you're, you're bang on on that. I just, I, I, I sense trouble with this deal. Both were the Padres and the residual effect around baseball with certain clubs. That's my main who, fear. Who would you rather have for the duration of their contract? Tatis or Betts? Betts. I mean, I'd go Tatis right now. But again, this is to my point. Tim, thank you for that tee-up. We don't know, do we? 
We see a guy flipping his bat. We see we a guy with the Dodgers. Of, hey, no, no, we don't know with anybody. We don't know. No, with Betts, I mean, you, you know. Hold on. Betts, has, Betts had a ring and an, and an MVP before you gave him $365 million. Mike Trout had multiple MVPs when you extended his deal to 426. This kid had not entered arbitration years yet. He's four years away from free agency. And you say he's Trout? And you say he's Betts? No. That's not nuts. Saying, they're not saying that, Sid. With the money they are. Yes, they are. It's of course they're no, saying No, no, because when he's 35, how old will Mookie Betts be? And no one looks at that with Harper, and no one looks at that with Betts. And when it's done, what is he, 2033 is when he becomes a free agent. He's 28 right now, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, yeah. Do the math. 2033, that's 12 years from now, he's 40. Well, all I know is if I have a choice between Tim McAuliffe, an MVP World Series champion, and a 22-year-old kid, and I have three hundred and fifty right million dollars to spend. Right I'm not now. spending it on the twenty-two-year-old kid. That's nuts. Right now, that's insane. He hasn't it's won an easy. MVP. He hasn't won it's a championship. He hasn't won anything. He's ben, no, you, you don't know me? if he's that player. He's on the cover of MLB The Show, and the Dodgers hate him. Whoop de doo! Amazing, amazing. You know, I, I think I, like if, if I'm looking ahead, I want Tatis. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tatis is a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. Sorry to Adam Sandler to you there, Ben. You've been so good to us. I'm sorry. Sorry to Adam Sandler. Okay, last word to Ben. I think this is a great, conver- a great conversation. Yeah, la- Timmy, last word to Ben. I've talked way too much. Yeah. Final thought, Ben. Then we go to break. We'll continue this. Go ahead. If we're talking about Hall of Fame, who's more likely to be there? It's Trout, it's Betts, it's these guys who've done it. If we're talking about the next 10, 15 years, I'd take Tatis. I really would. Okay. Got to go. Ben Mickelson-Smith, love you. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Uh, Tim and Sid continues here on Sportsnet Radio and TV. whoop dee doo <laughs> What was I thinking? Well, whoop dee doo <laughs> We're back here on Tim and Sid. whoop dee doo I think we need the whole thing. Yeah, I think we need... Let it breathe, Dylan. Let it breathe a little bit. Dylan Brown, a fan 590. Let it breathe a bit more. Ryan writes in and says, Sid just nailed the Tatis contract and deserves the, t- the horns for that take. If, if a viewer, listener, asks wow. for it, I will give it. Mike writes in and says, Tatis' new contract makes him the Rick DiPietro of Major League Baseball. Yes? Question mark. Hold on. Like quite quite the comparable there. Austin Yikes. Austin might represent pretty damn close to what I'm saying, so I'll just read Austin's tweet. This is the face of baseball who has put up a seven war in less than a full season. His contract will be worth it in tickets and jersey sales alone. In seven years, halfway through the contract, it will be a steal when people are signing for five hundred million. Look, depending on how that CBA goes, which runs out December first, as we all know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see about the five hundred million dollar contracts. Because if it's because if Mike Trout didn't get five hundred million, I don't know about the five hundred million dollar contracts. But if, we'll see. I could be if wrong. If Mike Trout we'll became see. a free agent, 
when Albert Pujols first became the free agent and got the number that Albert Pujols got that'll take him to 41 years old, we said, that's it. Yeah. Nothing's going further than that. And then all of a sudden we were going 100 million further than that, right? Like what was Pujols, 10, 240 or something like that? Something like that, something like that. It was and a bad deal because – sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. No, I was just going to say it was like it, – it, it, I felt bad for Pujols because he was – he was on the way down, and he got all that money, and now he looks like kind of a disastrous signing. But I just respect Pujols so much. I felt, I felt bad for him. I legitimately right. did. Yeah. But I think that if you look at Mookie Betts' deal, you might be able to say at 40, what is he? Oh, listen, but we're not right. looking at that yeah. right now. And so but it's he's going easy. to be 35, though. Like, I know what you're saying, but Tatis will be 35 years old when this contract ends. He's not going to be 28. He's not going to be 29. Like, he could be, be 40. In a, he's not going to be 40, but he's going to be – Entering that part of his career. So who but knows he, what he's going to look like? But he doesn't hit free agency at 26. No. And he doesn't. what would he get in that free agency at 26 if he's playing anywhere close to what he's playing right now? If. If. This is not over. More Tim and Sid. Whoop de doo. Time for Tim and Sid. Time for Tim and Sid. Time for Tim and Sid. It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here for another hour here on Tim and Sid. With the move that sees Wentz go to Indy, Jordan Palmer, quarterback whisperer, will join us. Mike Fuda in moments from now. On this, the seventh to last show, Sexero hits us with another classic six arrow, dare I say, whoop de doo will now live in infamy. It will? That player, he's on the cover of MLB The Show, and the Dodgers hate him. whoop de doo <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not the line. It's the McAuliffe reaction. See, that's the no, secret sauce. It's that's not. what people don't understand. No, really? You know what? Do me, do me a favor. Have a cue it again. I'm going to throw it to it here in 10 seconds. I cannot tell you enough, and I've repeated this to many people on and off air. I'm not that good. It's McAuliffe as a hype man is. Roland. No. Ben, not, can you, you help don't me? know if he's that player. He's on the cover of MLB The Show, and the Dodgers hate him. whoop de doo <laughs> 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 are you kidding what's the better of the two things in that clip it's not what i say i it's guarantee not, you that I mean, i'll, I'll read not. the reaction i'll read okay. the reaction right okay. now and Vinny writes in and says can sitzik have a once in a while segment on the all-new tim McAuliffe show hashtag rant king hashtag tim and sid and he put you with a graphic that says what really grinds my gears <laughs> <laughs> that was sorry simpsons right that was uh, that, that was the anchor no, on I the think Simpsons. Family Guy. I think that's that's family a Family guy. guy. The Simpsons or the Peter. The, that's a Family Guy. Grind my gears. You're right. Yeah, it's really grind my, yeah, yeah. my gears. I thought there was a uh, Simpsons one too. I could be wrong on that, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, someone will let us know by the time I finish reading these. Tweets. Twitter's Craig good. Though, writes, yeah. Twitter's yeah, good. Craig that. writes in and says Tatis' contract is a huge gamble. Great if he stays healthy and hits like Cal Jr. Not so great if healthy as Nomar Garcia Para. Here's, here's my point on this. The Padres knew that and decided this was the only way 
they were going to keep a kid this good if he stays this good in the middle of a pandemic, no less. Like, think they made this commitment in the middle of a pandemic where they don't even know if they'll have many fans for the first year or so. See, Tim, this is where I'm going to disagree with you because Manny Machado got $300 million, and he got Mm -hmm. it from the Padres. Right. So the notion that nine times out of ten you'd be right on, but I don't think you're right on here, is that the Padres would have no shot to lock this guy up. Now, with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets and whoever be all over him one day, hells yeah. If he, if he stays on this trajectory, which is two years in, it's technically a season and a quarter in, then, oh, yeah, no problem. If he's, if he's, on, if he's on the cover of MLB The Show and, he's, and he's, he's on base is like 380 and he keeps going like that and getting better, sure. But he's, too, he's like a season and a bit in. And the organization's Understood. already committed to Manny Machado once. There, you know how many teams have committed to two players at $300 million a pop in MLB history? One. Let me so, ask you so a question. The, so the San Diego couldn't compete for his services? I don't know if I buy that. I just don't. Let me ask you a question. If he stayed just the same, just the same, what would he attract as a free agent? When he became a free agent in four years? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's what the Padres are doing here. What would he have cost us? In four years, how does this project out? What's that number look like? Because if it's forty million or fifty million, then this is a steal. Tim, it's a steal already for the first these, these arbitration years. Tim, these arbitration years after this season, they're paying thirty-four million for. That's it. The rest of the money comes later. Right. It averages out to twenty-four a year AAV, but that's not how the deal works. They're paying thirty-four million. For his arbitration years after this year leading up to free agency. That's a great deal for any team. I don't care if you're even worse than Tatis right now. But that is a hell of a load to put in front of, of a young player like that who's played a season and a quarter of baseball for but you. That's, but that's what you got to do. That's why it's, See, I like it. That's had, why it's gutsy. And I wasn't going to really, use the word gutsy. That's something you got to do. You really think that's something you had to do. He's not even entered his arbitration years yet. And that's something mm-hmm. you had to do this year, really. Here, here's what I'll here's what I'll say um, about. Oh, I had some tweets on this too. We're gonna run out of time, and I want to ask Feud about it. Um, let me pull up the rest of the tweets. You know what, Tim? Because... Let me do the inside the lines no, no. read. Look for the tweets. I got the inside the lines read here coming up with our friend Mike Feud, and uh, search for the tweets. Let me take care of it. Time okay. now for inside the lines. Uh, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Nine games in the NHL tonight. Take a look at some of the notable matchups. Bruins atop the East Division for most of Canada. You can see that on Sportsnet tonight. Minus 220 favorites at home to the Devils. Rangers have lost four straight, but the Flyers only small favorites at home. Giroux, Konechny, Voracek, and others are out. Leafs minus 300 with Hutchinson and Nett, eh? Hmm. Yeah. Minus 300 as they wrap. That number, might, that number might have changed. Uh, they wrap you a little bit. Three games set with the Senators. Over-under sits at six and a half. That may have changed as well. Take a look. Capitals laying minus 158 at home to the Sabres. Total is an even six for that one. And later on, Ducks plus 105. They are dogs at home to Minnesota. Uh, I found out Hutchinson was playing. I bet both of those, by the way. Um, Smart. Smart. Here is a confirmation. Peter Griffin. I had this uh, sent to me. What grinds my gears. I know it's on my phone. It's hard to see. <laughs> 
Trevor writes in and says, hey, guys, isn't this the equivalent of McDavid signing and screwing the NHL for other signings of RFAs? Tatis may have an NHL agent. LOL. Did Connor McDavid not already have a scoring title and a Lester B. Pearson award when he signed that contract? Because so I you, think he did. So are you saying that you don't think Fernando Tatis is that good of a player or you don't think you can tell by his start that he is going to be that good of a player? Oh, I thought it was pretty apparent with that. You can't tell by this, Tim, in my opinion. I Clearly, I'm on my own here. And clearly, the, the Padres no, disagree with me vehemently. No, you're not. But if you're a Jays fan, I'm sorry. Like any Jays fan tweeting in saying it's a fine deal, there's nothing like you really aren't thinking this one through. Well, here's you're really not. Here's where Tyler weighs in. If anything, the Tatis deal just shows how smart the Braves were in locking up Acuna and Albies to very team-friendly deals. Because, but hold on, wow. this is wow. what started this. In what way? Acuna's deal, hundred million dollars. Yeah. is what got people thinking. And you and I had this conversation when it happened. This is just the start of locking up free agent numbers and trying to figure out what it'll be. And for those who don't understand, baseball, you're, you're arbitration eligible. You're not going to get real money until you hit free agency. Free agency is different. That's when the big money comes in. Although there are those that have gotten nice arbitration numbers, especially in the last little while, we wondered what you'd have to pay to lock up people's free agent years when the Okunia deal came in. And what the Padres just did was look at Okunia and say, how do we get the rest of his relevant free agent years? How much will that cost us? And what they settled on was what you saw. Well, the Acuna thing is interesting because like that when that deal was signed, it's about locking up players, but it's also... Like that, that Acuna deal was low, and that Ozzy Albie's deal was low. Like, like Alex Anthopoulos deserves a lot. Ronald Acuna right. is a better baseball player than Fernando Tatis Jr. Period. Right now, look at the numbers. Not debatable. Not debatable. Every every aspect of the game, not debatable. One guy got a hundred million. <laughs> now he signed for the eight years. Tim's, you're right. It's not it's fourteen. It's the eight years. But this, like that system, is way out of whack. And this signing just drives it home. It's madness, man. Now, he's madness. 23. He's done in 2026. So do your math there. It's a little different. He's done at 29, right? Yeah. He's done but, at 29 But my math also age. doesn't can't tell you what the hell Fernando Tetes Jr. is going to be, both at that point and okay, at the so let's ask, let's ask Mike Fuda if this is what you have to figure out when you're a GM. Because what I think you're doing here is a little easy stance. And that is right now, this doesn't look like a great deal. But you can't play the right now game. In any sport these days, Mike Fuda joins us here, who is an assistant GM in Los Angeles. And I know, Futsi, that you, and I can't believe I just called Futsi. I'm sorry. I don't even know. <laughs> Futsi. Futsi. Are we good, are we good with Futsi, yeah, Mike? Like, what, are we good with that? Where wow, are we, we at on that? We got really familiar with each other real quick on this show. Goodness gracious. Is it safe for me to come on? <laughs> You're in a safe place, Mike. You're in a safe place. Know, you know it. I want to know if I'm in a safe place because I know usually when these kind of contracts come out, we look at it in our own industry, and we start to see where we fit in value-wise in our own industry. And I get this feeling that Sid would really like to take a good long look at his breakfast television contract. <laughs> He's I, think San, right I, I, think, I think San Diego Morning Television is looking interesting, Mike. I'm not going to lie to you. San Diego Morning Television is looking interesting after this deal. Yes, yes. 
I, I just, I just sitting in a chair, I, and I had this conversation this morning is it's just amazes me. And I mean, I, I'm a baseball fan. I clearly don't know this player as well as both you do, but it, it's amazing how much people are. I know I haven't seen the San Diego Padres win a championship and it's amazing how much people are making before they win. <laughs> And, yeah. and that's uh, and that's something that's changed dramatically. And I, that's why I talked about the leaf market and how strong they're playing and stuff like that. But in LA, you know, we actually won a couple cups before Doughty and and uh, and Kopitar got their big deal. So to see these contracts being handed out, I guess that's just it's about keeping fans in the building and stuff like that. And we'll have to see. But it's unbelievable the amount of money oh. they throw out. But, but Mike, like that, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you hard on this one, but. Were those deals all the smartest deals? That, and, and I know that's the way the game used to work, where you gave when you won, you got your deal. But I think people are looking at that now and saying, I don't want to pay for what you've done. I want to pay for what you're going to do. And that's when it gets super dangerous, too. 100%. And I agree with you, but I think when you line your ducks up in a row, and I don't think these guys, like I think Matthew's contract, it's not, it's not denouncing what they're getting. It's when it's when Nylander gets what he got first and how he handed it, handled it, sitting out, and still got his money. I just felt it set up because I mean, unless I'm wrong, the other two big fish are, are bigger fish, right? And so it kind of right. set the tone how things were going to be handled. And I mean, trust me, this team is fun to watch right now. I've listened to your whole. Uh, I heard that interview from uh, from Thornton talking about Matthews, and it's unbelievable. Like this guy. Somebody asked me today about, like, how does this guy compare to Kopitar, right? And Kopitar, because Kopitar won the Selkie, you know, or was up for the Selkie on a regular basis. But Kopi almost played so safe that you could never see the numbers that Matthews produces. Matthews is now doing it and still shooting the lights out. Like, Kopi was, Kopi, we'll never know if Kopi had the ability to put up the numbers Matthews does because he just never played that style of game. He was more right. on the outside and take it to the net. What Matthews is doing right now is nothing short of just pay-per-view every night in, a, in the biggest market. So it's fun to watch. The Futinator here on Tim and Sid, uh, since we're making up <laughs> nicknames here. As we go. <laughs> Thanks, sister. Nope, no problem. No problem. I got a few more in my back pocket. The segment's not over, Mike. The segment's not over. Uh, Mike, just, just, just because you do love baseball and it's such a, it's such a, I feel like any sports fan can look at that Tatis story and have an opinion. If you have any last second take on it, I'll give you a final word and then we'll move on to some more hockey. I hope they win. I hope they win something and he accomplishes something. God forbid this guy. I mean, the writing on the wall, and I know everything's about projection and analytics and baseball. It's a much more profound thing, but I swear to God, I hope he stays healthy because that is just an okay. absolute unbelievable sum of money to pay somebody at that age, especially when you don't have to pay it at that age. It, it just blows me out of the water. But, I mean, he's obviously he's a marketable guy, but I just think it's way too early. And without, out of, there's not enough of a picture for me before that money gets presented. See, so you're not um, alone, Sid. You are not. Alone. I guess. I, I guess not. And, and one one what final thought for the group. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Mike. Well played. Uh, one final thought for the room before we move on here and talk a little McDavid and Matthews. Just I did the math, Tim and Mike. So you got Manny Machado at three hundred million at third base for the Padres. You now have Tatis at short for three hundred forty million. I believe Eric Hosmer at first is making a hundred and forty million dollars. Like their infield 
is the cost of a mid-level English Premier League club if you wanted to purchase one. <laughs> that is their infield. You can buy Leicester City. You can buy less. Oh, and they got guys too. They got Darvish. They got Blake Snell. They got the Nelson Lamette. They got eventually Mike Clevenger will come back. Anyway, uh, that's for another day, Mike. You're not here to talk baseball. We appreciate you. Mike Fuda here on Tim and Sid. Um, Mike, just because of, of McDavid last night, I want to go down here, down this road first. Do you remember what it was like to watch McDavid in person for the first time compared to the stories you had heard? As a talent evaluator in the game, how much shock value was there in watching McDavid in person for the first time? It was it, it was undervalued, and there was shock value. One of my best friends grew up in Newmarket and had seen him play, and I'd heard about him. And I mean, once you've seen, like, every year, you, hear, you know, they keep throwing out the generational player thing, and you, and you see some of them, and you're like, I mean, obviously, like you see with Crosby, but I mean, at the OHL level, when they were throwing it out, there were some that were, they were like Tavares, right? Obviously, at that level, he was exceptional, but there were certain guys that were kind of not as overwhelming as that. But then when you went and watched McDavid to watch a kid skate like that, and at that point, he was still underdeveloped. Like, I mean, it's physically like a bit of a baby. It was just unbelievable. And then again, I mean, when you see the legs on him, some of these kids, when they come out of the rinks, in shorts and stuff, and they literally look like they look like Aquaman legs. You know what I mean? It's like they've got muscles coming on muscles over muscles, and you want. And now you see a little bit of bullet in the way this kid takes the takes the ice, and he's doing it against. Like there's guys diving out of the way just so they're not in highlight reel films for the rest of their lives. Like it's not like he's going around, you know, D sevens and D eights. Like I mean, the other night he went around he went around Hyman in the neutral zone, then around Muzz in the defensive zone. Like last year it was Morgan Riley. Like, there's a lot of guys that just don't want to be posterized for the rest of their life when he winds up. But it's fun to watch. I mean, you'd like to see a kid like that win a cup because, the, you, you know, you, you you start to project how many teams are good and how hard it is to win. You want to make sure someone that special ends up getting the, the silver chalice at center ice before he's done. So that becomes the question in Edmonton. And, you know, obviously Leon Dreisaitl is a wonderful player. He's a Hart Trophy winner. How much pressure is on that team to make sure that they surround him quickly here? Well, I think the, the difference is Kenny Holland is there now. And, I mean, Kenny Holland didn't sign Koskinen to that contract. And I don't, I'm not going to beat up Koskinen, but, I mean, that's a real tough contract for someone that's, that every night when he goes out, you're happy when he has a great game, but you're also a little, whew, he had a good game. You know what I mean? It's not like that you're rolling out a carry price. Or when we had Jonathan Quick, we were shocked when Jonathan Quick had a bad game. Right now, you're kind of like it's like a fifty-fifty juggling act. You're you're like, wow, he's not bad. He was great tonight. He was good. And then, they but the next paid night, paid Koskinen was, early too. Oh, they, huge! They paid Koskinen and, and, quick. And, and we and we, uh, we had Koskinen coming out of like in Los Angeles. We had him coming out for about a million two, and uh, from his Russian team to Los Angeles. And then he went there. And I don't I, again, his numbers at the time for me. I'm not again. They didn't dictate the numbers that they decided to give him in Edmonton. There was way too small of a snapshot to pay him that kind of money. And now they're, you know, and now that's, they, they would have had a shot at signing one of these top guys that were available in the offseason if they had that flexibility. And, I, and that's not Ken Holland's fault. And I'm sure that's something that he'll look to rectify. And we, you never know, Koskinen could get hot down the stretch here, but it's not somebody, in, you know, if you're a betting man, you'd want to just hang your hat that that guy's going to be a, most teams that, when the Stanley Cup, their goalie is usually brought up as a Conn Smythe candidate, and I don't see that guy being someone you're talking about in that realm. 
And for the record, if you are a betting man, Sports Interaction is the place to go. Uh, Mike Fuda here on Tim and Sid. Uh, Tim, from a time perspective, can I put two things on the table here for Mike just to get his take on it? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. One, who looks more like an MVPD right now, Mike? Matthews or McDavid? And if you want to, if you want to give a non-answer, I respect you a great deal. It's a tough question. You can sidestep it if you want. I know it's not your mo, but you could sidestep it. Two, we, we played a clip from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary earlier in the show. Rhett Warner took a chainsaw to the Flames. What do you see when you watch Calgary right now? Order answer in whatever order you want. Okay, the first one, it's an uh, it's a de- it, the fact that it's a debate tells me what Matthews is bringing on the table this year. And I think it's not a debate. You have to wait to play out. It's 100%. Those are the two choices to go from right now. And I think that Matthews has a much better, a deeper surrounding cast. But every night, he's part of the reason they're winning. Like, if McDavid doesn't, I mean, it's, it gets down to who's the best player up to now. I would take Matthews this year. But if it's the most valuable player to their team argument, it's McDavid because if he's not McDavid, they have no chance to win. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that's it, it, that's how you define the award right now. The best player right now for me, and I'm not, I still think McDavid's a better player, but the player having the best season right now for me is Austin Matthews. Um, the other one, it just it's frustrating. I mean, I've got a good friend in Brad Trelling there that goes out and takes a team and gets him one of the top goalies in the game and one of the best. You know, everybody says that Tanev just taking Tanev out of the Vancouver dressing room was such a huge blow to them and taking marks from these were such character guys. We throws them into a locker room with a team that, I mean, anytime I've ever talked to Mark Giordano, you know, all he talks about is what a great room they have. So, I mean, they're not playing like a team that's that, like, that feels good about each other. Okay. They're not playing like a team that looks like when you see the least right now, everybody seems to have everybody's back. You know, someone hits this guy, Simmons is ready to go for them. Joe Thornton, they, I mean, last night when Muzzin and Thornton were hugging, you would have thought that was a cup-clinching goal, and it was, in a, it was in a rink with no fans. So there's a team that's clearly into each other right now. But Calgary just doesn't, when you hear that guys want to be out because they're not happy with their ice time, and, you know, they've got, like last year, you know, that line was so engaged with, with Luch and uh, Lucic and Bennett and Dubé, oh, and, they were, and they were getting all the credit, eh? the, the bottom six. And the top six was taken out of the heat. Now, it looks to me like Johnny Hockey's come to play. You've added a big goalie, and, and, the, and the bottom six seems to be moping, right? So, I mean, a lot of that, I mean, I don't blame the – I mean, Brad would know – I mean, Tree would know his, his chemistry better than anybody, but, I mean, Jeff Ward said it. I mean, I mean I'm not going to use his terminology he said it today, but you know what? they got to come out a lot stronger, and they got to play like they do give a shit, right? So he said it today, and, it, and right now it doesn't look that way. They look like you can't even judge. Like you sit there, how the Leafs and Montreal have kind of broken away from the pack. But the other teams, Calgary's A game looks great, but you see it once every three periods, right? I mean, same thing with Vancouver. So I do believe that there's some Canadian markets. If they don't find a way to get into that top four, there's going to be changes. It's unfortunate because I think it's more about certain players being a little bit selfish than about the teams that have been constructed on the ice. And that usually is the way it goes. But, um, so be it. I, I think I answered him in your order there, guys. No, I appreciate it, Mike. Appreciate the honesty. Um, mm-hmm. But like to just to follow up, one last thing for me, uh, Mike, before we let you go, and you alluded to it, it feels like a big moment for Brad Living. And, and, and I take no joy in saying that. He's been pretty good at this show. And he's a guy who takes swings in his career. And if you're a hockey fan, that's what you want. 
but it feels oh. like this is a very and, and he's not the only Canadian market as you alluded to teams yeah. teams that outside of Ottawa who don't make this postseason are going to have some questions to answer no question but it feels like a big moment for Brad doesn't it well, absolutely. And I mean, he would know that too, because anytime in a pandemic that you convince your owner to spend that kind of dough and there's nobody in the building and go big on those two players, you want to come out with a team that looks revived. And it's unfortunate right now that it's an inconsistent revival. Now, if they get going, I mean, last night, I mean, I thought Johnny Hockey looked like he really cared. I mean, he's looked like he really cared, but it's just got to be a consistent effort. And it's right. frustrating. I'm sure he's frustrated, but you've got to bring it to the table. But before I, you know, I was laughing. The other, uh, you had Berkey on, and he was saying, um, "You guys, what are you, you going to do?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm going to just ask Sid. I'm going to ask Sid." And I said, "And I was like thinking at first, I was like, well, that's Tixero. He really respects.' No, I, I would not. I would not have the answers. <laughs> he actually told him that he was talking about Crosby. But, Mike, my first, my first answer would be put Mario back in the lineup. That, that would be that would be my first I suggestion. Like, well, I said, "Holy smokes, you really rubbed off on me at Sportsnet." But I know you guys are pressed for time, but. I talked about, I know you guys, what do you guys do? 19 years of this show you've done together. And I told you guys, I know you don't like compliments, but I do believe you're Canadian treasures. And the fact that you get to go and walk away on your own terms, Sid, that speaks volumes for itself. I've only been one NHL team 13 years as a Los Angeles King, and I didn't, I didn't get to leave on my own terms. And that's something that, that it's going to bother me for the rest of my life. And the fact that you get to take on something after all the success you've had, wish you nothing but the best. Um, Thanks, and uh, good good luck on BT. And if you get to say, if I have to wake up early, to, if I want to see the reaction. You say whoop de doo on breakfast television. <laughs> <laughs> the the whoop de doo on breakfast television. Oh, the whoop de doo. Yeah, yeah. will be awesome. Uh, uh, um, listen, Mike. I, first off, uh, quickly, I, I appreciate you. Tim appreciates you. We appreciate you. So thank you for coming on. And I do the one thing that I do really appreciate. I've said this to Tim numerous times on or off air is I, I do see the business that we're in, and I am very fortunate. I am yeah. very fortunate. I'm not dumb. I see what's going on. And um, I, I, I don't take any of this for granted. And just I want to echo what you said about your, ter- your terms. It doesn't happen a lot. And I feel blessed. So I, I, pre- I, I feel blessed with the opportunity and talking to guys like you who've been in the game forever, and we can always learn something from and get a hot baseball take at the same time. So, Mike, uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I, I, we appreciate you. So thanks for jumping on today, man. Thank you. Awesome. Good luck. Take care, guys. Be well, Mike. Uh, there's Mike Fuda, who will come back even when Sid's gone. There's 60 seconds before we hand it off uh, to Sportsnet going to Hockey Central and continue on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, while he pumped your tires, and I think Okunya is a great player, can I just offer up this nugget because we may continue sure. the conversation after the break? Sure, but of course. Last year, MVP voting in the National League, Fernando Tatis was fourth, and Okunia was twelfth. Okay. There so are, if it's, I got, hand, uh, if sorry, it's go hands down, Okunia is yeah. the best player. That's interesting to me. Now, I believe Freddie Freeman takes a bit of uh, the shine off of Ronald Acuna's year, personally, because he wins it. Because he because he was very good. Um, but uh, it's a valid point, Tim. It's a valid point. Again, all-around game, defensively, the whole nine yards, Acuna all day for me. Hockey Central next here on the mains. Tim, it's a continues on Sports on the Fan 590 after this. Welcome back to Tim and Sid. Throw Carson Wentz into the context of what we are arguing about because Wentz didn't get the long-term deal 
but he got the huge deal and he kind of sort of won. Like, how do you look at Carson Wentz got paid early and this, listen, I think baseball is a little bit different because we're talking about 14 year deals for guys. We're talking about 10 year deals for guys. And I don't know if we see that in many other sports these days, but Wentz is one of those guys, ton of money. And now the Eagles are paying others basically to take him away. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Wentz was a little older when he got that money. Like, I mean, Wentz, the funny thing about the Carson Wentz story got traded to the Colts today, 28 years old, right? Like, this is not, this is not some young guy. Like, he's approaching 30, and it's going to be he was interesting. old when kinda, he came out of university. He was all, exactly, yeah, right. old when he came out. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, there, there's some comps there, no question about it. I, um, Carson Wentz is done. I don't know what the Colts are doing here. I really have no idea. <laughs> like, the Bear, Tim, right, like, Ryan Price, the GM of the Bears, and Matt Nagy, the head coach, they are going to get fired within the first three weeks of next season if they don't show something. And they need a quarterback. And they looked at him and said, I don't know. Like, what does that tell you? That, to me, is – that says a lot. And that, and that, that Colts team, they're really smart. They draft insanely well. Um, I don't, don't, know, what, I don't know what they're going to do here. I don't, don't you know. think the – don't you think the Frank Reich, like, I get what you're saying. I know it, it's, I want it to be a hot take again and I want to cheer on another whoop de doo but you have to mention that he's reunited with his former offensive coordinator, Frank Reich from Philadelphia, and that's the guy who says, I think we can get something out yeah. of this guy. And it only cost you a third-round pick and maybe a first-round pick, right? Yeah, if, if uh, for those who didn't see the details, if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the Colts' snaps next season, they get to the playoffs, or or he completes 75% of his passes, or 70% of his passes, excuse me, that second rounder turns into a first rounder eventually. So there's a lot right. going on there. You're right, Frank Reich believes in him. He's not the one he won the Super Bowl with. That was nope. Nick Foles, but you're right. Frank Reich obviously believes in him. Uh, Jordan Palmer, QB coach to the stars, joining us here on Tim and Sid. Again, a reminder of, of who uh, this man has worked with down through the years. Guys named Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. You may have heard of him. Jordan, welcome back to the show. What did you make of the Carson Wentz deal today? Surprising, not surprising? What was your initial reaction? Well, it's not surprising because I think it's such a good fit. Um, it, it sure felt like in Philly those, those days of Carson Wentz were, were done. Um, partly because of the direction his career was heading there and partly because of the emergence of, of Jalen Hurts. And, um, and then for all the reasons that make sense for everybody, you know, with Frank Reich there and, uh, and some of the other staff and the, the vacancy that they have at quarterback with Phillip Rivers retiring and the potential of Jacoby Brissett moving on uh, and no real heir apparent there, you know, sitting in place. It's not like they drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. Um, it just made sense across the board. So my, my reaction has been um, – I'm excited for Carson. I'm excited for the Colts. And uh, I'm certainly interested to see how this plays out in Philly. And I think it's just good for football. We, we, we don't want a bunch of good quarterbacks on one team and a team without a good quarterback. So I just think it's kind of good across the board. Let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people are in Philly are wondering how, like, I don't know a lot of people that thought the Eagles would pull the trigger on a deal like this because of the dead cap hit that they're going to take next season, which is, 
in excess of $33 million. Did it surprise you that they were willing to take that in order to make this deal? It, it, it does surprise me, but but I, I look at it like you do that. The Eagles, if you're the Eagles, you do that if you absolutely believe there's no pathway towards Carson Wentz, not just being on your team, but playing at a high level again. So I'm not surprised they did it. I'm surprised. I am surprised they got to that point where they believe that that's not an option. And so, right. um, you know, we've seen guys, good players have bad years, and we've seen, or in my opinion, bad players have good years, but. Uh, we haven't seen good quarterbacks fall off like this, and um, you know certainly there's always more to it than we than we understand from the outside looking in. And even folks like myself who are a little bit more kind of looking behind the curtain, you know, than the average fan, um, there's still a lot more going on that even folks like me are privy to. And in this particular case, it's I think it's just a combination of a lot of elements. It was Carson Wentz watching you know Nick Foles win the Super Bowl, and that team kind of shift to Nick Foles. And they move on from Nick Foles. It doesn't work with Carson. They bring in Jalen Hurts. Now the team kind of shifts towards Jalen Hurts. Um, and so I think it's almost of, of uh, an identity crisis more so than anything uh, with Carson Wentz and with, or with the Eagles, which whose team is it? And that's why I think this fresh start in Indianapolis, clean slate, we've seen this work a lot for a lot of guys, for Ryan Tannehill, for all kinds of guys. Uh, but that, that change of scenery oh, and a new buy-in with an organization – can do wonders for a player. Um, and I certainly think that's what's going to be the case here for Carson Wentz. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of the Carson Wentz we saw three years ago than the one that we saw last year. I, I really do think this recipe is set up for him to get back to where he was. Jordan Palmer here on Tim and Sid. Jordan, I, I, as much as I'm I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz, that, that atmosphere with the Colts, like when Phillip Rivers went there last year, my expectations were really low. But you have you have Ryan Kelly on the O line, Quentin Nelson. You throw in Jonathan Taylor. They got some they got some good wideouts. That was they didn't need Philip Rivers to do everything. And I feel like that like and and I'm getting the sense you would agree with the notion of if Carson Wentz just kind of plays within himself with a really smart head coach and a solid base around him, it might be a little different for him there. Yeah, I think it's going to be drastically different. I mean, when I when I say that, I think we're going to see. The Carson Wentz of three years ago. Um, I think because he's going to be on a team similar to the one that he was on three years ago that was the foundation for a Super Bowl team. Um, Indianapolis has a really solid defense. They get after the quarterback. You mentioned it. Jonathan Taylor, I, I work a lot with Michael Pittman Jr. He didn't get a lot of balls last year. I think he's going to get a lot of balls this year. Um, they really have a good young nucleus of talent there. Um, and then, you know, the division right now is, you know, Tennessee has been really, really solid. Houston's completely up in the air. Jacksonville's rebuilding. So I, I think this is a really, really good time for him. Not just a good place for him to go, but a good time to go there. And this, this team just got used to playing with a veteran quarterback, which veteran quarterbacks like Phillip, when they go to a new team, they really have to dumb it down themselves. You know, they have to get everybody back up to their speed. When you go play with a veteran, let's say, Philip Rivers two years ago in the, with the Chargers, you got to catch up to the quarterback. Philip last year had to kind of slow down for everybody else, particularly in a COVID year with no offseason. So Carson Wentz is going to get to essentially come into the exact same situation that Philip Rivers did last year, except the team is used to that. The staff is used to accommodating that. Um, the difference is, is that Carson's coming in knowing the terminology and knowing what the head coach and play caller wants to get executed on a play. And I think that's a tremendous advantage.
Uh, Jordan, forgive me on the next question. I cannot let a guest slip through our fingers who has worked with Deshaun Watson previously on a football field without asking about Deshaun Watson's situation. Um, when you see this playing out the way it does, do you say to yourself there's no, sh- there's no chance he's staying with the Texans or do you think this can get reconciled in some way? Well, the only reason this is not coming from inside information, this is coming from um, just my personal perspective on it. You know, my brother was the last guy to do this, by the way. Um, Carson, when he demanded a trade from the Bengals, he was the highest paid quarterback in the league at the time. He had $57 million in guarantees left on his contract. And he determined that he'd rather not play football, essentially in his prime, not play football than play for them. And, it really didn't have anything to do with Cincinnati or the Bengals or the uniforms or it had nothing to do with money. It was that he had come to the conclusion that they were not going to do what it took to win. And it's just not in his mental makeup to put on the line what he thinks he needs to put on the line to win. If the organization is not going to match that. And so that got misconstrued a lot. And the media went in on my brother um, largely because he was in def- he was he would never defend himself. Car- you cannot find a single interview of Carson at the time. He's talking to anybody. He didn't have social media. He didn't say anything to anybody. Um, it, you know, people said this is just about money. Those people had no idea what they're talking about. This was costing him money. He lost money on this. Now here's the deal. It looked like because Mike Brown said I, the owner of the Bengals said we are under no circumstances am I trading you, which is essentially what Deshaun's in right now. And as the little brother, and I was in the league at the time, I was a Cincinnati Bengal at the time, um, I knew Carson was not budging. There was nothing that they could do. And Mike Brown said, there's nothing that can happen that will make me trade you. And if you guys remember what happened, Carson's college coach, Hugh Jackson, was the head coach of the Raiders right after Al Davis, the owner, had passed away. So he was kind of the interim GM decision-maker. They were 6-2 and two with Jason Campbell, and Jason Campbell broke his collarbone. Right. And so Hugh Jackson at the time had the authority to trade two first-round picks to the Bengals to get Carson. So here's Mike Brown saying, under no circumstances am I going to trade you. Well, those circumstances weren't present until they were. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the scenario came where Mike Brown said, uh, all right, I'll do it for that. And I'll trade you to a more dysfunctional organization than us in Oakland. So here's why I bring that up. <laughs> the reason Carson made that decision is strictly out of one thing. It's out of principle. Carson is, makes decisions out of principle. Even if it'll cost him money or reputation, which this cost him both, out of principle, he's only going to lay his life on the line to try and win if everyone around him is too. Right? And what I'll say out of my unique experience with Deshaun, I met him when he was 17. I've been around him a lot. This is a man of principle as well. He doesn't do things for dumb reasons. He doesn't casually make life-changing decisions just because or for money or for fame. He does it out of principle. So just like when my brother did this, I saw no way out in sight. I currently do not see a way. I I do not see how this thing ends right now. But I don't know what's going to happen here. You don't know who is going to give up the farm for Deshaun. We don't know. What's going to happen at the top of this draft? We don't know if Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or some of these pieces that no one thinks are movable, if they're movable. We just don't know that. And so where I sit right now is where I sat, you know, at this time when my brother was doing this, and I go, man, 
there's no, the car, he's gonna, there's no way out of this. And I look at that with Deshaun, but history tells me anything. It tells me you never know what's going to happen. And when you have a player that's that desired, like Carson was at the time, and like Deshaun is probably even more so right now, um, I don't see a, a conclusion here because <laughs> I don't see him going back to Houston, and I don't see anybody giving up what he's worth, which whatever that is. And so I don't see a solution, but I wouldn't be surprised if some crazy stuff happens. Jordan Palmer, our quarterback consultant, uh, weighing in on Deshaun Watson. Where where do you think he ranks in the current um, top five of quarterbacks in the National Football League? Well, I, I think I'd put Patrick at one, and I'd put him and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers at two, A, B, and C. I'd just kind of put the cluster right. of guys together right there. In terms of their individual ability to change a franchise. Russell's in that is probably that fifth guy. Um, and, and, you know, so for people who are going, wow, Tom Brady's not on this guy's list. Who is this guy? Where's the, where's the <laughs> dial to change the, change the station? Um, I, I just, I know I recognize what Tom Brady just brought to Tampa, but I also recognize other players that I believe could have done something similar. Those five guys that I just named can take any team. I mean, with what Deshaun just did to lead the league in passing, and I'm 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 a coach the guy and I can't name his th- top three receivers. Like to say that like that he took that franchise and did that, I certainly don't believe. I don't think any quarterback in the NFL would believe that Tom Brady could do that with that talent. Why? Because a year ago in New England he didn't do that <laughs> with worse talent. Deshaun no. just led the league in passing no. um, with what Tom Brady couldn't do. So Deshaun is right there at the top of the list. With Mahomes being a Super Bowl champion, I got to put him up top. Jordan Palmer here on Tim and Sid. Uh, Tim, you want to hit the draft up before we go? I didn't know if we had time. We got time. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so we we're talking Clemson quarterbacks. What do you think about this other Clemson quarterback? Uh, well, I'm a big fan. I've been spending the last seven weeks with him and I and, uh, was in Clemson with him last week. Um, you know, I think this guy, Trevor Lawrence, uh, one of the most valuable parts of him is really just what he's been exposed to over the last, I call it four years, even though he was in college for three. Um, when you're the number one recruit down here, you know, in the country, and you got 50 offer, offers as a sophomore in high school, and everybody's looking at you everywhere you go at all times, the pressure and the expectations that come with that at a young age, you start to get used to it. And so here's a player who, for the last three years, you know, he, he replaced Deshaun Watson, and then immediately in his first year wins the national championship. And then plays plays in another one in his second year. And then, you know, team came up short this year. But he's played in a bunch of big games. He's been in a bunch of big situations. And he's just kind of always handled it like a pro. And when I look at how that translates to the NFL, I, I, I always say, you know, he's got more franchise quarterback reps, like stuff those guys go through. Um, that most, most of the time guys don't go through it until they become a franchise quarterback. Trevor's got three or four years of that, of dealing with that. Um, and so I just think that he's going to be a lot. It's going to be a much smoother transition for him to the NFL than it was Justin Herbert for Oregon and Joe Burrow, who really only had one monster year in college and went to two schools or Sam Darnold, who was at USC or Josh Allen, who's from Wyoming. You know, I just think about all these different guys transition. Uh, I think Trevor's set up for a very smooth transition. I'll say the same thing about Justin Fields. Um, but uh, it's very set up for a smooth transition. And then physically, this is just a guy who can do everything that you need to do. And, um, 
and also just the type of leader he is. You know, he was big on the let us play movement, which kind of got the ball rolling on college football happening this year. So he's also been a part of some big political situations too in football. Um, and then when the social inequality that we've had down here and, and um, kind of the, uh, um, the conversation that's been had and, and uh, the really challenging conversation with, within each locker room, um, this was a guy that didn't just kind of stand along the side and, and partake in it. He, he really led it. He used his platform to lead it. And so um, I just look at a guy who he's only 21 years old, but, boy, he's, he's had the same experience that a lot of 26-, 27-year-old NFL quarterbacks have, and, and he's done it all before he got to the league. And I just think that's incredibly valuable. His name is Jordan Palmer. He is really good, not only played in the NFL, but he is uh, he's developed into an incredible coach for some of the bigger names in the world of football. Jordan, we uh, I hope, listen, I really, enjoy, I don't know if you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed having you on. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it's always enlightening when you come on, man. And we appreciate, we appreciate the time. Appreciate it. That was awesome. You guys are the best. Thank you. There is uh, Jordan Palmer, quarterback whisperer, quarterback consultant, whatever you want to do. People bring him great. in. He's yeah. great, man. Spent Holy some time cow. with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Ho-hum. All right, we'll take the break. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up another edition, the seventh to last edition of Tim and Sid as we count down to Friday, February 26th. And, man, is that going to be a fun show. We'll do it next right here on Tim and Sid. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Good tease, Mikhail. Good tease. Tim and Sid wrapping it up for a Thursday. There is uh, just one in the North tonight. Eight other games in the NHL. Rubber of a three-game set between the Leafs and the Sens. Uh, it's Hogberg and Hutchison going toe-to-toe. Quick update, Timmy. Thomas Shabbat not playing for the Sens tonight. Upper body injury. Uh, breaking news. I was I was gonna mention that right oh, off the sorry. end of it. Sorry, I saw I Thomas send us. I got ex- I, that's, the I got information. Thomas Shabbat. I'm sorry. I was cooing, I was cooing for it. I was cooing for the opportunity. <laughs> I, I like Thomas Shabbat too. I think he's a really good player. Uh, it's tough to be a defenseman on that team, and he will go through ups and downs. This no one doubt. Uh, down because he will not be playing tonight. The other thing that I wanted to mention was the Toronto Raptors are one of three in the NBA. By the way, Nets and Lakers also in action tonight. And Kyrie Irving, but, Kyrie Irving is playing for the Nets, apparently. No Durant, but Kyrie Irving and James Harden going. All right. Are you going to let me do my job? No, sorry. There's just updates everywhere. Do... I'm sorry. It's like right. I'm seeing updates everywhere. I'm sorry. Did you see the Raptors starting lineup? I won't say that one because you're clearly going there. So no, go ahead. I won't spill the Do beans. It. I won't spill the beans. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, Norm Powell, DeAndre Bembry, hmm. Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. Hmm. So they'll go small ball with Bembry in the lineup. Obviously, Kyle Lowry is out. And Lowry not just dealing with the ankle, Sydney. Apparently, there's more to Kyle Lowry here. Uh, sprained left thumb. And apparently it's the same thumb that he had the surgery on a couple of years ago. Uh, was that not the one during the playoffs, Tim? He was shaken out that all the correct. time and he played through. That's the one, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a little concerning <laughs> on a couple of fronts. But that's the latest here. DeAndre Bembry going. Malachi Flynn has been called up from Raptors 905. He's cleared all the protocols, apparently. I thought it would, I thought it would be longer than that to clear protocols. Apparently not. Malachi Flynn, uh, the rookie point guard, is with the team. On the bench, so we'll see if he gets some run tonight. Oh, Tim, if the Raptors can get this one tonight. Oh, 
That would be tasty. Yeah, you pissed them off, though, uh, with the win in the opener of this back-to-back. Potentially. And now you're going to be without Lowry, and it looks like uh, Drew Holiday is back out of COVID protocols for the Bucs. So there's been a couple of different things that would lean towards the Bucs here, but you're right. Every time you think you figured out the Toronto Raptors, they overachieve again. And I'm really looking forward to Mike Budenholzer's Budenholzer's adjustment to what is another small ball lineup, this time Van Vliet, Powell, Bembry, Siakam, and Ananobi. Is he not the guy on the hottest seat or one of the hottest seats in the NBA? I know in a 72-game season, like firing any coach in any league in seasons like this, it doesn't – I don't know if it's fair – I mean, there's nothing fair in pro sports, but it doesn't make a lot of no. sense to me. But, Tim, I think Budenholzer is in a different place than other guys. There's a lot of expectations here, a lot of heat. And if it looks a little off, I, I don't know if ownership would hesitate. And I Because you know Giannis ain't going nowhere. He's locked in. And if Giannis thinks it's the right move, they would definitely do it. I mean, if you take Atlanta and make them a 60-win team, and then you do the same with Milwaukee – and you win two coaches of the year, you think in your head, this guy is good to go. And yet you look at the postseason, and it's not the same. I mean, he ran, he had the same thing in Atlanta, though, that the Raptors had. He ran into LeBron in the Eastern and in fa- Conference. And, and he did. And in fairness, last year he ran into didn't having Giannis because Giannis was not healthy for the back end of that season. For In fairness to right. Mike Woodenholzer. But big picture, Tim, I think we're on the same page here. He can't. Like, losing these two games to the Raptors like this, bad. <laughs> Not good for Mike Woodenholzer. Well, there's just so much pressure on the Bucks because Giannis signs that big deal that you have to maximize the super max. And if you're not, we'll figure out how. Correct. And I would have thought that that would have been surrounding him with better talent. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just a dude on a show that's losing <laughs> his co-host on February the 26th. That is true. But you got me till then, Timmy. We want to thank Fernando Tetis Jr. for giving us some run today. want to thank Jordan Palmer for showing up. Mike Fuda, love him. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith for playing along. Benny's great. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Again, we had six more of these. Join us. We're going to have a good time. He's Tim McAuliffe. Good job, Timmy. I am Sid Sixero. We are Tim and Sid live on TV and radio. A reminder, not only wash your hands, but we have a new closing to the show, I'm told, Tim. What? New closing. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> 